This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Jimmy Lucero of Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas, and special guest Manny Ramirez of the Denver Broncos. I'm glad that you guys came out to be with us and, and be part of this special service that we're doing. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am not Manny Ramirez. <clears throat> Just wanted to clear that up. Um, so yeah, this, obviously this is Manny Ramirez. He's the starting center for the Denver Broncos. He's a, a friend of mine and my wife's. An incredible, incredible man of God. We've enjoyed getting to know him and his family closer and closer. Um, I do want to acknowledge his parents are sitting right in the front. If you guys would just kind of wave. Mom and dad are right up here. And so what we wanted to do tonight is we're going to do kind of like an interview process. And if we have time at the end of service, we'll try and get a mic out to you guys and and give you an opportunity to ask a couple of questions, uh, just depending on time. But um, I say let's just jump into it real quick. So why don't you guys bow your heads and let's pray, and then we're going to jump into it. Father, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for allowing us to come together and just worship freely in this place, Father God. And we thank you for allowing Manny to come and just share his testimony and and his walk with the Lord, Father God. And Lord, I pray many blessings over him and his home, Father God, in this upcoming season, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we wanted to start off by giving everybody kind of the background of your story. And so why don't you tell everybody where you're from, your childhood, uh, what, was it, what was it like growing up? Um, I'm a Manny Ramirez. Um, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Uh, coming from a family of five. Houston? Houston? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> Come from a family of five, you know, I'm very uh, honored and blessed to have my parents here. This is actually one of the, the second time that they're going to be able to hear me speak, so it's, it's, it's a hap- it's, I'm very happy tonight. So, But I um, come from a family of five, my older sister, which is about, you know, about this tall. She's 30, 38, 37? Oh, 36, sorry. And my little brother, he's about six foot, he's 25. And, um, you know, I think we've... At the time when I was a young kid, I've all, I guess I, you could say I was spoiled because my parents sacrificed so much for us to give us uh, what we had, and uh, they, they really taught us how to work for what we want and what we had as well. My dad, he worked for the city of Houston uh, for the solid waste management. Uh, my mom, she was also a janitor for uh, different schools and different, you know, JCPenney, uh, worked in a warehouse, also worked at the Astrodome as a maintenance lady. And, uh, you know, those are hard jobs, and actually... Where it all began, my parents met on the roof. They were roofers. So, you know, so that's, that's hard itself. My dad used to take me up there with him a few times, and I'm like, I can't. I got to go back down. It's hot. And, uh, and just because I was big, sometimes he would ask me to help him, you know, throw the, um, the logs up, you know, for the roof. And I would struggle with one. He would carry two at a time on each shoulder and throw them on top. So I think that's where I got my strength from. But, um, no, nah, I think we grew up, you know, in a very – good home. Um, I never really realized the things we lacked because of what my parents sacrificed. But one thing they always taught us was like, for what we want, we must fight for. You know, there's that, there's a saying that my dad would always say, you know, and you hear it a lot, you know, no pain, no game, you know, and it's, it's very true. What you want for, what you want to work for, and what you want to gain, you have to put a lot for, you got to put a lot into it in order to, to be successful, right? So, and I'm very grateful for what my parents have installed in me because I truly believe I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, so. Now, when we got to go and visit you guys uh, a couple of months back, you had mentioned 
uh, the house that you grew up in, you had to move out for a certain reason? Yeah, um, we lived in a trailer, and, um, you know, small trailers, but they're long. But one of the reasons, you know, we had to move was the reason I said it was because I was growing, and I could barely go like this. I'm kind of sweating, you know, it's kind of hot in here. But um, we were in a trailer, and I could almost walk and go like this and touch the ceiling, you know, and it was kind of time for us to move to find a bigger place for us to be able to fit in. And plus, me and my sister shared a room, and we used bunk beds, and I've all, I'm actually, I was actually bigger than, than what I am now. Um, so, you know, a bunk bed wasn't going to hold me anymore. And um, we had a little brother, and, you know, he kind of, like, messed everything up for us. But, uh, nah, he's a, he's a great, great brother. But, yeah, you know, the things we had to go through, you know, and we lived on a lot, you know, just had a lot of fun, played a lot of basketball, a lot of friends over and all that. But we lived in a, in a two-bedroom trailer, one restroom, and it was home at the time. So. And so I, I want to real quickly go over some of your accomplishments that you had here at Tech, because this is Raider Nation. So I want to fill you guys in. So as a, as a redshirt freshman in 03, you started 10 games. You capped off the season by starting the 03 Houston Bowl. During the next three years, you started all 36 regular season games, and then you started in the 04 Holiday Bowl, the 2005 Cotton Bowl, and the 2006 Inside Bowl. You were named second team All-Big 12 offensive lineman in 05. In 06, you were named to the All-Big 12 preseason first team. In 06, named to the All-Big 12 honorable mention team. And through all of that, Everything that you did at Tech, what was your biggest, most fondest memory that you had while playing here at Tech? Um, the best memory I've ever had at Tech, you know, I would actually say it's not football. It was actually meeting my wife. Um, brownie points, brownie points. <laughs> now, um, I think I had a, I felt like I had an amazing time at Tech. You know, I played a lot of games and all stuff that we truly enjoyed. Because, you know, we were like the high-octane offense that nobody could really stop. But um, we, I enjoyed it. But I felt the, the most excitement I had was truly meeting my wife because that's when I, I really turned my life around. You know, I was going through a lot of things and, um, and where, you know, I was going out having a lot of fun with my friends and also doing my own thing, going out drinking and all that. But, and I got into an altercation. And that's why I have a scar on my face. And, um, you know, I went out. Got an altercation at a club and took a bottle and a stool of the head and the face. Got split open and there's like a main artery right here that um, the doctor said if, if it would have been like a millimeter higher, I wouldn't have made it from the club to the hospital. You know, because that, that right there kind of opens, opens up your eyes and, and puts everything in perspective of how you could be having one fun at one, one second and the next second it could all be gone, you know. And, um, you know, it got to a point where um, I was going through a lot, trying, struggling through the things that I was going through if, I, if it was really meant for me to, to be at Tech, you know, because um, as a football team, you know, you're supposed to be a family. And that night when I got into altercation, my teammates were there, and the, but they weren't, they were just sitting there watching me get jumped. You know, how am I supposed to play with somebody that I'm supposed to trust, but I can't, I can't trust them uh, outside of football. For me, you know, that, that meant a lot. So almost left school. Um, my parents probably don't know the whole story, but, you know, it was about 12 o'clock in the morning where I had my truck already packed and ready to go home and, you know, and just drop out of school. But um, my mom my mom is Mexican, 
and we all know how Mexican moms are, right? You know, I think I think I would have suffered more with her than actually this. But if I would have went home and dropped out of school, no. But um, that night something was really telling me, and it was very heavy, and I was actually just crying in my truck, saying, "What am I supposed to do? I'm tired. I'm scared. I can't trust people here." But something was telling me to stay, you know, to give it one one more opportunity. And I finally gave in and started, you know, looking for help. And one of my athletic trainers named Steve Pincock, he was our athletic trainer for the football team. He knew, he's someone that I shared a lot with. And he knew what I was going through, but he also knew Iris. And um, he, he knew what she possessed. And um, he tried to play matchmaker. So he decided to lie to me and her that we're asking about each other to get, to get us to go out, you know. And then we finally get to go out on a date. And uh, we find out that he lied to us, that I wasn't asking about her and she wasn't asking about me. My head was all pumped up and it got deflated quick. But um, <laughs> now, but um, she started, you know, you know, showing me the ropes, you can say, and just teaching me about God. And at the time I was struggling because I knew I needed something and, and that I was lacking. But um, she introduced me to God and truly started leading me the right way. And it took a while. You know, I, I didn't want to give in. But um, there was one night where she, we went to church, you know, and my pastor, my mother-in-law, is here tonight as well. So um, we were at her church, and Iris was praying at the altar, you know, saying that, you know, if it is really meant to be, you know, that I have to change. Because I wasn't going to church. I didn't like going to church, but I was just struggling with my own life. But she needed somebody that was equally yoked. And she was tired of trying to help other people. She wanted somebody to help her grow. And I definitely wasn't the person at the time. And um, as she's praying this prayer at the altar, I'm in the back, you know, just feeling heavy, hot, sweating like I am right now. And, um, you know, just talking to God and just pouring out and saying, God, I'm done. I'm exhausted trying to do it my, own, my, my way. I keep, you know, failing and falling on my face, trying to get back up. And it'll be good for a little while, for a little while then all of a sudden I'll fall again. And I was done. I was tired. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I said, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm done. I'm all yours. I'm gonna, I want to do it your way. Please lead me. And it was like one of the most emotional nights ever for me. And um, that night I decided to give my life to the Lord, which was April 4th, 2004. And as I'm walking up to the front with my pastor, my mother-in-law now, Angie, Pastor Angie, I was just walking back. And Miss Angie announces that, you know, we have a new member, that Manny Ramirez wants to give his life to the Lord. And Iris is all going crazy, like, what just happened? But at the time, I didn't know she was praying for this. But that's how God works, you know. He listens to his children, the ones that had faith in him and, and believe in him and follow him. And, you know, he answered a strong prayer from her for me to change that night. And God changed me. You know, my heart opened up. I poured it all out, and I was ready. And I know it was because of the prayers that were sent my way. And um, I'm very grateful, you know, that she did that for me because I wouldn't be here as well. You know, my parents taught me how to work hard, how to survive, how to fight for what I want. And she led me, you know, to God. And I'm very grateful for that. So for me, that's like the best thing that ever happened in my, in my college career. Um, football has always been my way out, has always given me an, uh, an opportunity to um, go beyond what, you know, I've ever been able to accomplish. Um, and one of the main reasons, uh, I mean, to go back, I tend to jump around, but 
one of the reasons I even decided to go to college was because my dad right here, which I'm very grateful that he's sitting here listening to me speak today, is because he had a heart attack the, uh, the end of my junior year. And that also put everything in perspective for me because if something would have happened to him, I would have been the next in line to be the man of the house. And my, my whole thought process the entire time was that I don't, I don't want to go to college. I'm playing football. I'm having fun. wasn't even thinking about it. I'm, I'm going to do what my parents have been doing for the living. I thought I was going to be a garbage man, maybe a maintenance guy. It's hard. It's a, it's, it's a, those are hard jobs, but that's the way they provided for us, you know, and they taught us how to work. So I'm like, why can't I follow my parents' footsteps? I didn't see the, the opportunities that were there, the doors that are open for me until something happened to someone that I truly do love, you know. And I thank God every day that he's still here. You know, I'm grateful. Um, he's made me the man I am today, you know, because of what he taught me growing up. And, you know, I've been gaining little by little bit, you know, and I decided to use football um, as an opportunity to continue to grow. Because if it wasn't for football, I wouldn't have been able to go to college. We just couldn't afford it, you know. So that kind of led everything to where I'm at today, you know, and to where I met my wife. And to me, that's the best thing that I experienced in college. Now, I understand that while you were at Tech, uh, you held a record at one point there. Small record. A small record. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what the record was that you had? Um, it was past tense. You know, it was 550 um, my sophomore for year ben for, for bench, bench press. press. Uh, bench press 550. And um, it was a big accom accomplishment at the time because I think I shattered the, 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 the record by – I don't know, uh, almost 75 pounds to 100 pounds. So, wow. But now, if you go back and look at it today, a guy named Ryland Reed, which was like two years younger than me, he shattered it by 625. So my record didn't last that long. So, you know, wow. but <laughs> well, records aren't meant to be broken, right? <laughs> so, Well, I was going to ask you to arm wrestle, but I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've been working out, as you can tell. I see it. I see it. <laughs> CrossFit, right? Yeah. CrossFit. <laughs> and so um, how old were you when you and Maris, Iris got married? Um, I was actually 23, which I thought I was 22, because uh, me and Iris would go back and forth of when, what my birthday, when, how old I was, because my, my birthday was February 19th, and we were trying to get our passports done, and we are at the, where were we at? At the, uh, one of the post offices trying to get our stuff done, I guess. And we're like, goes, no, your birthday's on, you're 23, you just turned 23. I'm like, no, I'm 22. No, you're 20, okay, listen to her. So <laughs> that's, I was 23 at the time. All right. And we wanted to say just as a church, congratulations on baby number three is on Thank its you. way. Thank you. So you were drafted into the NFL at 2007 by the Lions. What what was that like, and where were you when you got the phone call? Um, we were all in Houston. Uh, we are at my mom's house. Kind of wanted to just sit there and, you know, be with the family more than anything, just to share the experience. Um, it was a dream come true um, because there's so many players from the high school level to the college level and try, guys are trying to try to get, you know, make it to the league. And to be one of the few to get called out that, that, that night, it was truly a blessing because um, I know there probably could have been, you know, thousands of players that night waiting. And to be in that, was it 257, 257 pick or something like that? 
you know, to be within those numbers, you know, it truly is a blessing because not everybody gets to be drafted. So it was it was a happy day for us. It definitely changed our lives, you know, so very grateful for that. And then in 2011, you were picked up by the Broncos and you've been playing with them ever since. So playing in the NFL, what is the most challenging part of being a professional athlete and a Christian at the same time? Um, to make sure that you stand on, on a strong foundation um, because you get tempted. Am I sweating more? Sorry. Um, I have been working out, I promise. I'm, I am in shape. But um, I'll say just making sure that it, to, ha- to having a firm and strong foundation because in the NFL, there's so many different backgrounds, so many different people that live different lives, and you're being pulled from all different types of directions. And you have to make sure that you're strong in your foundation not to be allowed to be pulled even when you don't notice it, you know. But for me, the biggest part of that of that is making sure that I have my accountability um, teammates, my, my friends, my brothers, um, to hold me accountable, to watch out for me, to watch out for each other, that when something does happen, that they're there to lift, the, to lift me back up and vice versa, you know, because it's very, very hard to do it on your own, as we all know, you know, no matter whether it's in the, in the locker room or in your, in your business or even in a church, you know, it's very hard. So it's making sure that you have the right friends around you that are focused on the same goal and making sure you put God first, you know, and that they're, you're there for each other, so to make your foundation strong. In, in Scripture and Proverbs, it says iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Who would you consider to be your biggest accountability partner? Um, while I'm in, I'm in the league, um, I would say his name's Chris Clark, number 75. And, you know, when we go our own ways and we're, we each go back home, I would actually say, you know, it's Jose Mendoza right here, one of my good brothers, and um, as well my pastor, you know, Oscar, my father-in-law. It's just people that I could – that I could count on, that I could talk to and about anything and share with them and not and know that I'm not going to be judged. But if anything, they're going to find a way to help me out to get, to get through the situation and try to overcome it. So, so I, I understand you're one of few Hispanics in the league. How, how many do you know how many Hispanics there are? Um, we could probably be counted all on one hand. And um, I know there's Roberto Garza from the, from the Chicago Bears, uh, me, of course, and um, my other brother, Louis Vasquez. You know, we played here at Tech as well. Um, we're very fortunate to be able to say that, you know, we're brothers and we play on the, on the same offensive line right next to each other. So that's definitely a dream come true because that's, that's, that, that doesn't happen that often where two Hispanics are able to play on the same team, let alone, let alone right next to each other. And the last time that happened, I think, was uh, probably like in the, I want to say the 80s, like when Anthony Munoz played and a guy named Max Montoya, they played like for 10 years together. So it's it's an honor. So what what has that taught you about overcoming challenges? Um, you know, it's really taught me a lot because you know, especially for being Hispanic and a, from a Mexican background, we're we are stereotyped a lot about who we are and what we could only accomplish. Um, you know, again, my parents worked hard. My dad was worked for the city of Houston. My mom was a janitor, and they were both roofers. So everybody would always tell me, that's all you're ever going to accomplish. And I believed it, you know, for, for a certain point. And um, I didn't think anything bad about it because I see how hard my dad worked, how hard my mom worked, how much they sacrificed for their families. So, you know, it is believable. 
And but you, know, you get the people that are just down, like just try to dog you because you are Hispanic. That you're not capable of doing anything more. But once what happened to my dad happened, that kind of opened my eyes, and I use it as motivation to continue to fight and not allow things that are said to affect me. The only person that could ever bring me down is myself because I know how hard I can push myself. And especially now today, knowing um, well, my favorite scripture, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a future and hope. That's all I need. So nobody could ever tell me you're not capable of doing anything because I know who's leading my path, you know. And I know God has blessed me with many different talents, and one of them is to be a big Hispanic person. There's not many of us, you know, especially over 300 pounds. But, um, you know, so I take that to heart, you know. So that, that kind of that drives me that, you know, no one's going to ever try to make me fall. You know, and if I do fall, I have the surrounding and I have the strong foundation to get back up and continue to fight. And, um, you know, that, that, that's the way I look at it, you know. And it, it's, it gets hard, you know. I'm not going to lie. I fight it. You know, sometimes I'm like, I get mad, but I always try to go back to, you know, what's, what's my foundation? What do I believe in? Who am I looking at? Who, who am I trying to, um, to uh, make happy, you know? I love Iris to death, my wife. I love my parents. I love my, my, my in-laws. I love my kids. But my number one goal to make happy is God, you know? And my goal is to, to allow other people to hear my story and share with them what he's done and, and what he's, where he's brought me from, you know? Um, I'm very grateful to say and blessed to say that the NFL is my profession, the way I provide for my family. And many people look at it and, like, are at all about it. But, wow, you're Hispanic, you play in the NFL, you know, let me get an autograph. Let me, I want to kind of take a picture with you, you know. And I try to be as nice as possible and, you know, say, yes, let's take a picture, here's an autograph. But God didn't put me here to be an NFL player, you know. And, and even though I'm going into year nine, I just realized this last year that God didn't put me here to be a full player, but to use the NFL platform to honor him and lift his name up. Um, and just, you know, that really hit home for me. And ever since then, you know, I feel like my career has, has flourished again. You know, there's always people trying to dog me, always, always trying to count me out that I'm not, I'm, I'm too slow, I'm too big, I don't fit this scheme, I don't fit that scheme. But guess what? God has always given me the ability to, to adjust and to adapt to the different things that I, that I need to do to perform. And I'm very grateful for that. But, but using this platform to honor him is my number one goal. You know, one thing that I learned from one of my late coaches from Tech is uh, Coach Brown. Uh, he passed away actually while, while I was playing here at Tech. But his main thing was that what he wanted to be remembered as, not as a full player that happened to be a Christian, but a Christian that happens to be a full player. You know, and that's the one thing that I took from him, and that's my goal. You know, I don't want my, uh, my legacy to be remembered as, oh, look, he was a, a, a big Hispanic that played football, but someone that, that honored God, and he happened to play football. You know, that lived for him and did everything in his power to make him happy and fulfill um, um, the path, you know, that, that he laid out for him. So, because I strongly believe that our responsibility is to become disciples and to go back out and make more disciples, you know. Because if we just keep it in, you know, yeah, that's good enough. So if you know the word, you believe in God, but you're not fulfilling your purpose. 
You know, our responsibility is to go out and work and make disciples and bring others to him. You know, even this, this house is packed right now, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. But it, it only takes one person, you know, for me to reach tonight. And I hope that that person is listening because I know what God has done in my life. And I want to pass that on to y'all because it's amazing. It's hard, but it's worth it. So it's, it's very worth it. So how do, because there, there are other believers on the team with you. Correct. How do you guys encourage each other? What What do you guys do that encourages each other? Um, you know, we keep, like especially in the locker room. Like I said, we get pulled from di- different directions. You know, so we hold each other accountable by not allowing us to get comfortable in our in, in our environments. Because you could just be sitting there, and and this other this next group to you might be talking about certain things, and you might not even be in that group, but you catch everything. And for me, like what I've learned is that what you allow in is what you're going to put out even if you're not trying. And that's where, where sometimes it gets scary because you think you're doing right, and you are, but then you get in that comfort level, that comfort zone, and you don't even realize that you're actually letting down, and which, you know, that, that's the hard part. That's why you need your accountability partners to, to pull you out of it and tell you, hey, man, you know, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing this? And you're like, we're doing what? Well, you're doing this. You're not doing what you said. You're not, you're not uh, walking, you know, what you're talking about. You know, how you s- say you live for God, but look what you're doing. Look what you're looking at. So that's our responsibility. Another thing is that we do is that when I first got to Denver in 2011, there wasn't a, there wasn't a chaplain and there wasn't any Bible study groups. So we decided to, to open up our homes and to hold our, the team Bible studies at our house, you know, the couples Bible studies. And were we ready for it? No, but we know that God was going to lead us the right way, and he's also put other mentors in our life that has helped us, you know, to do so. And plus, in our Bible studies, it's not like, yeah, we lead them, but it's not us leading them. It's us going in it together and helping each other and lifting each other up, asking questions. Because, you know, yes, I am an NFL player, but I still have issues. I still have problems that I have to work on. And a lot of people don't under, like see that, oh, you have all the money in the world, da-da-da, you should be happy, you shouldn't be going through this. I'm like, why not? You know, I'm not perfect. And I'm not even close to being perfect. My wife could tell you that. And um, so, you know, it's, it's about just surrounding yourself with the right people that are going to help you grow and putting yourself in groups uh, where you could hear the word and wisdom, you know, that God has placed in, in front of you. So, so in, the, in the NFL arena are you made fun of or picked on in any way because you're different because you are a christian do they on the field do they just kind of harass you for it um no not really you know i think you, you're talking about grown men maybe if i was like in early college or in high school it would because there's a lot of immaturity going on which there still is at this level but you know you're still a grown man you know you have families people understand that so they're not going to try to use that type of uh um, stuff to try to affect your game you know, but, um, you know, there was one time where one of the things that I struggle with is, is being aggressive on the field and the type of language that I used to use. I used to swear a lot. I used to swear like every other word. So even, even into the past few, few years ago, you know, I would, I don't, I don't swear. I try my best not to. And if I do, I ask for forgiveness right there and then, because it happens sometimes you're in situations and you're angry and things come out. But on, there was one time on a football player, a football field where, where I was going against, it was against the Eagles, and I was going against this guy, and he had beat me. And I just, I swore just out of anger. And as we're moving down the field, 
to get to the ball because you know how we run a fast-paced offense. Um, I, sw- I swore, and as I'm running down, I'm asking for forgiveness, like, Lord, please forgive me. You know, I didn't really mean that. And the player that I sent that towards goes, what did you say? I'm like, nothing, don't worry about it. And we went on to the next play. But after the game, he asked me, the reason he was asking me was because he couldn't believe that I swore. But as we're running to the next play, I'm asking for forgiveness. You know, and I didn't think about what I had just done. But it's just something that came out of me that I, like, I, w- I really was, you know, um, sorry for saying something that I shouldn't be saying, you know, because that's not me anymore, you know. So for someone to see that and notice that and say that they were surprised, you know, you know that, that it was a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, and plus not many people are going to try to make fun of us because so, we're <laughs> offensive linemen. So la- last question. You, you touched on it a little bit. You are uh, obviously an NFL player, uh, but when you leave this earth, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, like I said, the one thing that I got from Coach Brown was to be remembered as a Christian that happened to be a full player and that it did everything in his power to honor God and not the other way around where I'm a full player that happens to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Because my goal today, whether my career ends today or tomorrow or whatever, like I want to honor God. You know, a few years ago, I probably wouldn't say that. I would When I got released from Detroit – I was hurt. I was frustrated. I was confused. I was lost, not knowing what we were going to do. But that probably was the best thing that's ever happened to us because that even strengthened our marriage because we, we had a count that we were really putting to the test of how faithful we are, you know, to God. Do we really trust him? Because even in the league, I'm going back a little bit, but in the league you get paid amazing, you know. You really do. And sometimes that kind of takes over. You know, like he was saying in the scripture, you have another master. And that became a master. Like money had become our master. Like we're making a certain amount. We could help here. We could do this because we're going to get this. And God's like, no, it's not because of the money you have. It's because of who he is, you know. And it got to the point where we really believed it was because of the money, you know. But we would never say that, you know. We would say it's all God. But we really were very dependent on the money. So we felt like it was like, you know what? If you really think that's what it is, give it to me. He took it away from us and put everything in perspective for us that that's not what we're supposed to be counting on. That's not where our faith is supposed to be, but it's supposed to be in him. And he really put us, you know, got us on our knees and saying that it's not, it wasn't the money, but it's about him and we are going to trust him. And God has led us, you know, this to where we're at today. And whatever does happen in the future when that time does come that we are done in playing the league, we're at peace about that, and we're ready to continue to put, move on and continue to do what God has, you know, has, has prepared for, whether it's an NFL or, you know, going to different locations and speaking and giving back or, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're very prepared for it. Great. Last year when you came, we did something fun with you at the end of service, and we failed miserably. Um, we we tried to do we tried to attempt to do uh, ten questions in sixty seconds with Manny, and uh, it did not work because I talked too much. And so we're gonna give it a shot again. Right, let's go. <laughs> okay, so what we do is we just I just spit out questions as fast as I can, and they're just totally random, and it's just ways for us to get to know him a little bit better. So you ready? Hopefully. All right. Ten minutes early or ten minutes late? Ten minutes early. Skydive or bungee jump? Bungee jump. 
Relive moment from the past or get a glimpse of the future? Glimpse of the future. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Would you rather play for the Cowboys or the Giants? The Broncos. <laughs> this is all I have. <laughs> it's my only wallet, so I put it face down just for you. Nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> if you weren't an NFL player, what would your dream job be? Um, to be a strength and conditioning coach at the college level. This is coming up really soon. Change the diaper or say, honey, can you come here and change a diaper? Babe, wake up. <laughs> High school reunion or college reunion? College reunion. Hotel or stay with friends? Stay with friends. Would you rather be Darth Vader or Yoda? Yoda. <laughs> you guys give Manny Ramirez a hand. Appreciate you, honey. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.